Hi there, Janet Gallen here, Love Letters Live, and today I want to spend some time talking to you about the post office, the United States Post Office, without which, by the way, there would be no love letters. It turns out there'd be no lots of things, but we'll get into that. So we're seeing news items today about how courageous our postal workers are, how brave our mail carriers are for bringing us our mail right in the midst of this coronavirus. Yes, they are among our bravest members of society. They are risking their lives every day. They are risking their lives because they may come into contact on their appointed rounds with someone who is infected. But news? A news item? No. It's not news because it's not new. They were always brave and they were always ready to risk their lives. Personally, I've been distressed recently at some of the discussion that has been issued from high places that simply, as far as I'm concerned, do not show by half the kind of respect the post office deserves. And I think, like all disrespect, it comes from ignorance. People don't know the history of the uh, uh, history of importance that the post office holds. So let's fix that. To make the point clear, let's just start with you. There you are, ready to light a, write a love letter or a gratitude letter, a thank you note, or just a simple statement of friendship. And it would be natural to think that writing a love letter involves two people, the writer and the recipient. But not so fast, because there's a catch. The reality is that there are three parties necessary to this business, the writer, the recipient, and the deliverer. Yes, a letter not sent may well be useful to you in some emotional way, but a real love letter is something shared, something sent, and you need someone to get it from point A to point B. What you need is an assistant in whose hands you can put your trust and your heart. You need a good, reliable collaborator with a soul as love-filled as yours. You need a comrade who understands what a love letter is. And you need a partner who will take seriously getting that love from your heart to where it belongs. You need, <laughs> in a phrase so popular in the 50s and usually written blatantly on the face of the envelope, you need someone to deliver, de-letter, de-sooner, de-better. And then there was SWAK on the envelope sealed with a kiss. I guess we all know that. And a stamp upside down, by the way. I don't think everybody under a certain age knows this. A stamp upside down meant, I love you. So you can see that the postal workers were privy, even from what was on the face of that envelope, to your secrets. And they took their job very seriously. They took seriously the job of delivering those secrets. So are you in the post office a romantic match? Is the postal service up to the task of delivering love? Well, you bet it is. And if you would, please allow me to introduce you to your partner. You should know about the bravery and romance built into every stamp you put on an envelope. And you might rest more easily knowing that you're entrusting your heart and soul to people who know the difference between a phone bill, a bulk mailing, and an envelope filled with your emotional life tenderly offered on paper. I was curious about how the mail carriers felt in this regard. 
So I asked my own uh, my own neighborhood mail carrier, Paula, some time ago, what she likes to deliver best, and a smile shot across that woman's face. Oh yes, she said, her eyes just lighting up. She said, "I love letters in handwritten envelopes, things from children." envelopes with children's handwriting with pictures and she went on to list every possible sort of envelope that was clearly a message of love from one person to another okay well that was one mail carrier so i decided to research this a little bit better next came a young mail carrier in the san francisco financial district i asked him what he liked to deliver and he lit right up and he said checks I like delivering checks to people. I like to see people get paid. How wonderful. He likes to take part in people's financial security. Anyway, the list went on, and the the upshot was that the mail carriers I spoke to were all enthusiastic about what they did, and they all had opinions essentially about whose lives they were making better. Who wouldn't like a job like that? It's important. It is very important. Um... I want to say, I want to say, well, I'll point this out later, actually. Okay. Um, there, there are so many businesses that make love easier and romance smoother. There are jewelers, Seize Candy, one of my personal favorites, the entire diamond industry, lingerie designers, musicians, restaurants, balloon companies, pet stores, and, and the list goes on till the sun goes down. I appreciate all of them, but the United States Postal Service, I will tell you, ranks high on my personal list of romance-intense operations. Yes. And today, by the way, we're sheltering at home because of this horrible coronavirus. And um, businesses that are non-essential to life and limb have had to close their doors. We can't go into stores to buy gifts as we once did. But we still need to let people know how we feel about them. So there is the post office still in action and still eager to help. We all know the post office motto. Well, we've all heard that, you know, neither rain nor sleet nor snow. And I think everybody, that's familiar to all of us. Um, Their their promise, it, it, it was their promise not to be stayed by rain, sleet, snow, or dark of night. I think that's a real comfort. I think everybody thinks it. It's a real tearjerker. It implies something. Here's how it really goes. Here's how the the full motto goes. Neither rain nor sleet nor snow nor dark of night shall stay this courier from his appointed rounds. It turns out that this motto is not original to the post office, although it is to their credit they adopted it to serve them. Apparently, this well-loved mission statement doesn't come from the post office, but from the writings of Herodotus to describe the expedition of the Greeks against the Persians under Cyrus at about 500 B.C. Yes, the Persians, had they were using mounted postal carriers as a means of relaying messages and news. Just imagine that. Do we have any other corporate pedigree of such long and powerful standing? I don't think so. I don't think so. Let's talk about their bravery. Their bravery. Because it, it has gone on even, well, it, okay, it's just, I'm, I'm always so touched by it. But let's start with their bravery. They were hired for it. They were hired to be brave. They were hired for it plain and simple. Listen to this. 
in March of 1860, now that's 160 years ago, the following ad appeared in the newspaper. Wanted, young, skinny, wiry fellows not over 18 must be expert riders willing to risk death daily. Orphans preferred. How about that? Yeah, I guess orphans, so that when a mail carrier was killed, no family would be suffering the not infrequent tragedy. So mail carriers had to be hardy enough to challenge deserts and mountains. They had to withstand thirst in the summer and ice in the winter, wild animals on their routes, avalanches, I guess. Probably they got murdered by mail robbers, because that was a whole other life, the, the mail robbers. They got lost probably on unfamiliar paths, maybe never to be found again. And they did this all while they were delivering mail to homes where people were dying of deadly epidemics, always. And I know it sounds ludicrous now, <laughs> but to continue how brave this world of mail delivery remained, in 1831, <coughs> excuse me, steam-driven engines traveling at the unconscionable speed of 15 miles an hour, they were denounced as a device of Satan to lead immortal souls to hell. Now, we know better than that, but the point is that there were people who believed this and were terrified of it. The post office didn't run away with its tail between its legs, not at all. Mail carriers were ready to take on Satan himself. The post office was sending mail by rail. Courage indeed. But there was a whole new world of trouble sending mail by railroad. In the United States, after World War I, mail robbery was so frequent and violent that the Department of the Navy put Marines on all mail trains. The post office took these severe steps to, pre to protect your mail, our mail, against treachery. I want to talk about courage. Because right now, as I said earlier, they're delivering mail during the time of the coronavirus. I want to talk to you about the flu epidemic of 1918 in this country. Here with the coronavirus right now, we have, I just looked this up, the world has suffered 4.6 million cases, over 4.5 million cases of coronavirus. This is horrible. 310,000 deaths. This is worldwide. 310,000 people dead from this disease. And they keep delivering the mail. But I want to tell you something else, talking of bravery. In 1918, and I know you have probably all heard of this, or and if you haven't, I'm going to be glad to be the one to tell you. In 1918, there was what was called the Spanish flu, although I've heard that that too originated in New York. But anyway, it was called the Spanish flu, and instead of four and a half million people having been infected with it, 500 million people came down with the Spanish flu. 500 million people. That's half a billion people. That was one-third of the world's population at that time. 500 million people got the Spanish flu. 50 million people were killed died from it. It was, it was horribly contagious. 500 million, 50 million people died, and still the mail went through. 
The mail went through. They didn't stop for a minute. I, I just think I just think this bears telling and sharing because I personally I don't want to see you know news items about how the post office workers are so brave today. I mean that's fine. That's fine to point it out. We should. But I I would rather see it in the bigger picture and for people to know how daily they did risk death. How did the world see postal workers? I don't know how the world sees postal workers. I was a child of the 40s and 50s, and we, the children of the 40s and 50s, took very seriously the work of the post office. First of all, the postman, and it was men who were the carriers, probably a leftover from needing to hire those brave men who risk death daily, but it was always the postman. Um, that postman was a part of our lives. The one in my old neighborhood when I was a little girl used to carry juicy fruit gum for the children. He'd be on his rounds. If one of the kids was out, he'd always bring out a stick of juicy fruit gum. When my first husband and I were long-distance loving, my postman would see me waiting at the window like some lovesick puppy, and he would get, he would come, you know, within view, like as he started to come up towards the front door of this apartment house, and he would, he would see me there looking out the window, and he would smile right away. He would smile and nod if I had a letter, just to, to help me out immediately. I wouldn't even have to wait longer for the good news. And then he would, ugh, on the few days where I didn't get a letter, he would just see me, and he would just shake his head in sadness if there wasn't one. The point is that he was a welcome part of my private life. The postal workers were a welcome part of everybody's private life. And we took it as a given that those people who carried mail cared about us personally. I know they did. We, could, we knew that they could be trusted to trudge on through danger and darkness to connect people flung far and wide. And we learned something from the way they carried not only our mail, but how they carried themselves, somehow with pride and in their diligence and their devotion to the task. And it was a really valuable and constant reminder of the enviable pluck and commitment that defined the American spirit. I was a kid. Somehow I knew this, I guess between that and what they taught us in grammar school. But we knew what they stood for. Mail carriers were, in a word, always heroic. Always heroic when danger appeared. They were a cheering section in times of joy, and they were an enormous emotional support when sadness reared its miserable little head. Yes. So here's something gorgeous, I think. Postmaster General Joseph Holt, in his annual report of 1859, and here we go again, 161 years ago, he said, The post office department, in its ceaseless labors, pervades every channel of commerce and every theater of human enterprise. And while visiting, as it does kindly, every fireside mingles with the throbbing of almost every heart in the land. In the amplitude of its beneficence, it ministers to all climes and creeds and pursuits with the same eager readiness and equal fullness of fidelity. It is the delicate ear trump through which alike nations and families and isolated individuals whisper their joys and their sorrows, their convictions and their sympathies to all who listen for their coming, 
Ugh, really. A love letter from the postmaster general to the post workers, po postal workers. And, you know, this elegant piece of poetry, I don't know what else you would call it, was first put on paper and then inscribed in the postal headquarters building dedicated in 1935. It was etched in stone. It was meant to last forever, and it has. But here's the part that pretty much took my heart and breath in the same stroke of the pen. It's, it, it, and it's, it, it's falling, it's, I, I, I mean, I look at this thing and I kind of lose my ability to speak. Okay, hold on, I'll be back. It's called The Letter, and it was written by Charles W. Eliot, who was a former president of Harvard University, and it was altered slightly by President Woodrow Wilson before it was carved in the white granite of the post office. Yes, the high and mighty of earlier times took part in postal history to let it shine as it deserved to, critical as it was to life. And here is what the letter carrier was, and for my money, still is. And, um, oh, get a box of Kleenex. Okay. The post office is the messenger of sympathy and love. It is the servant of parted friends. It is the consoler of the lonely. It is the bond of the scattered family, and, and here's where I just, you know, I just pretty much, I just burst into tears. I mean, bond of the scattered family. Okay, we'll come back to that. It is the enlarger of the, enlarger of the common life. It is the carrier of news and knowledge. It is the instrument of trade and industry. Uh-huh, the post office, uh, the mail carrier who likes to deliver checks. Mm-hmm. It is a promoter of mutual acquaintance, and it is the promoter of peace and goodwill among men and nations. Ah, I love that. Okay, and today we can add another, actually two items to this heart-ripping list of what the post office is, because at the time, these two things were not so relevant. We can add to this list that the post office today is the guardian of democracy itself because we're going to have to vote by mail. It will be the U.S. Post Office that lets us exercise our constitutional right to vote, because going to the polls is a thing of the past in this really dangerous present. So add that. You can also add, which I just became aware of this morning, actually, that the post office is, saves lives, is, I don't know what you call it, you know, an instrument of life-saving, because... There are so many people that get their life-saving medications by mail. That's how they get them. Yes. So we can add two more things. And my question to you is, do you think of the post office this way today? I mean, I really lost my breath about four definitions down that list because we are indeed a nation of mobile and scattered families. We always have been. That's what America was about being, you know, upward mobility. Upward mobility almost also meant moving away very often. And we could all do with some reassurance that despite time and distance, no person needs to be isolated or lost to family and friends. And today, coronavirus, we are seeing humankind ravaged by this horrible disease, and we're more scattered than ever. We're scattered while we're right up close. Family members who used to spend time in each other's arms 
are they're not even permitted to enter the house of their extended family, their grown children. But people can't see their grandchildren anymore. They can't see their children. They can't see their parents or their siblings, let alone friends. So, yeah, these grown children who have moved away from their parents, even down the block, can't go see them anymore. Friends are parted by this heartless virus. Couples, I've, I've read a few of these, and it just, it's just horrible. Couples married for 50, 60, and 70 years, they're driven apart because when one of the couple, the man or the woman, is in a care facility for any variety of ills, dementia, um, needing skilled nursing, uh, even even just being in a fairly, I, I mean, I did know a couple of people who were in a vegetative state. They had to be cared for in a still, skilled nursing facility, but their children could come visit and lean over and kiss them on the cheek and hold their hands. And they knew someone was there. I believe they knew someone was there. So now, for a variety of reasons, spouses, lifelong mates are not permitted to visit. So not only not in the arms of our loved ones, but not even in the same room or building. And these couples are separated maybe for the duration of their lives. Maybe they're going to be separated for their own personal forever. <clears throat> never to see each other again. All of a sudden, never to see each other again. And so many of these people don't know what my brother's in a facility he he doesn't i don't he doesn't really know why i'm not visiting him anymore i call him i talk to him about it he says he doesn't know he doesn't know and it just it's just got to feel like the cruelest abandonment and indescribable pain on both sides but more for the people who are in a care facility however <clears throat> excuse me the post office is there to help ease the pain by delivering your letters with love and pictures and memories of that person's best self. And you can have somebody there read it to them. It's the post office who gets the message there. Yes, the United States Post Office is still and always the bond of scattered family, the consoler of the lonely. And now there are people, you know, rising up who are experts on loneliness, and they have a lot to say during this coronavirus. I, I, you know, legitimately so. I don't know how you get to be an expert on loneliness. I know that we're all getting pretty familiar with it, and it's a doleful thing to strike us. <clears throat> but yes, the the um, they're still the messenger of sympathy and love, and they're still the servant of parted friends. So who among us doesn't need that messenger of sympathy and love? Someone should surely be always at the ready to be the servant of parted friends. And the consoler of the lonely. We need that more than ever now, and we always needed it. And Lord knows we need something to promote peace and goodwill among men and nations. I mean, this is, you know, this is very old news that we need that. So I wonder why personal letters bursting with feeling and jam-packed with information and promises have fallen out of favor as a customary work way of communication. Now, yes, I know why. Because there are easier and more immediate ways to communicate, like texting and email. But I'll tell you something, and you know this. You know this if you've ever gotten a letter from someone you love. Nothing can guarantee more human warmth and devotion, and yes, courage in times of danger, than the workers at the U.S. Post Office. Um, 
I think nothing compares to a handwritten, I love you, I miss you, here's what I remember about you. I don't think anything, anything matches that. I saw yesterday a tweet from the U.S. Post Office that said, simply enough, writing letters is good for your health. Well, of course it is. Lots of studies have shown that for a whole variety of reasons, and I don't have time for that now. Um, but now, more than ever, because, as you know from news item after news item, that isolation and fear is bad for our health. So does all this give us confidence in your love letter partner, the U.S. Post Office? I hope so. Do we see that we can toss those letters into the slot and never think twice about it? I mean, I have, I have a mail slot full of outgoing mail every day when my mailman, he comes and takes it off. I don't even think of it. I don't even think about it. I put it in the slot and I know it will be taken care of. Do we remember <laughs> that the United States Postal Service stands for something admirable and poetic? It does. And do we remember that the U.S. Post Office is one of the most dependable organizations we have with a delivery of, get this, 472.1 million of pieces of mail daily. That's how many they deliver. 472, over 472 million pieces of mail daily. Do we realize that we need the United States Post Office to, main, to stay strong and remain at our service? I hope remember all the, I hope we do remember all this because as far as I can see, nothing will ever be able to replace the courage, the devotion, and the importance of the United States Post Office. So three cheers. And um, yes, I'd love to hear from any of you with your own opinions about the U.S. Post Office. Thank you. Goodbye.